What's good? Welcome back to Black and Published, a podcast for writers, poets, playwrights, and storytellers of all kinds. I'm your host, Nikisha Elise Williams, an award-winning author, two-time Emmy Award-winning producer, publisher, all that good stuff. This episode is for my mamas looking for books where their daughters can see themselves. Because today, we're talking with two dynamic women, Stephanie Smith and Tina Wells. They are the authors of The Z-Files, a new middle grade fiction series from West Margin Press, now available at Target. So let me tell you about these ladies. Tina Wells is the author of seven books, including the best-selling tween fiction series, Mackenzie Blue, and its spinoff series, The Z-Files. She is also a business strategist, advisor, and the founder of RLVNT Media, a multimedia content venture serving entrepreneurs, tweens, and culturists with authentic representation. She has been featured on TV and in multiple publications, including O Magazine, Marie Claire, Forbes, USA Today, NPR, and the New York Times. Tina lives on the East Coast, but likes to travel and share her passion to encourage and uplift young people. Stephanie Smith is the co-writer of The Z-Files, an author, editor, and content creator for two decades. Her work has appeared in international publications, including Money, People, WWD, The New York Post, Architectural Digest, and more. She is also the author and founder of the popular food blog, 300sandwiches.com. I remember that. And also of the memoir, 300 Sandwiches, a multi-layered love story, published by Random House in 2015. Stephanie is also the co-founder, along with Tina, and the editorial director of the content platform Elevation Tribe, which is for women entrepreneurs of color. In this episode, we discuss the importance of friendship, the power of self-awareness for young Black girls, and the one thing Tina and Stephanie want young girls to know that they wish they knew when they were teens and tweens themselves. Black and published family, welcome Tina and Stephanie to the show. Tina, Stephanie, thank you both for joining me for Black and Published today. So the very first question I'd like to ask all my guests is, when did you know that you were a writer? I mean, first of all, thank you for having us on the podcast. We're so excited to meet you. Um, For me, I think I knew I was a writer from like, from the time I could talk. You know, I think I was pretty much an only child growing up. My sister was like 12 years older than I was. So I had to always entertain myself with stories and, you know, my imagination and fairy tales and whatnot. So I always had imaginary friends. I was always writing little scripts about stories, commercials. I remember when I was young and I would take the little cassette radio players and record myself doing like DJing, like, like, like I was like a talk show host, but I was like this, like, um, 
I would tell horror stories. So I would like make up like horror stories and I'd have like my Casio keyboard and like play like dreadful music in the background and things like that. So I always was like used writing and, and storytelling since I was very, very young. So once I could like put pen to paper and write them all out, I would always get t- um, typewriters and journals and stuff when I was young. I just kept going with that. So I didn't know I could always make a living doing um, <laughs> writing full time, but um, but I knew it was in me from from very young. Uh, hello, and thank you for having me too, Nikisha. I, I would say, um, I, I always say I ended up in a marketing career by accident. I wanted to be a fashion writer. And so I too always had a passion to, for writing. And that's actually how I got my first job that led me to starting an agency when I was 16. So at 15, I responded to an ad in the back of 17 magazine uh, from this newspaper for girls called the new girl times. And so I I didn't have a laptop or a computer yet. I had a brother uh, word processor. And so I typed up a a sample column and my mom faxed it for me from work. And I got a call that I was going to get hired as a product review editor. I was so excited. I had no clue what that meant um, and figured out that I would literally write reviews of products I liked. And that was the first iteration of my first business, which was as a a research company. And so it's been a long journey for me back to kind of full-time writing. But I always thought, you know, when I was in my marketing career early on, I'm like, I don't want to be doing this. I want to be a fashion writer. This is just like something I do on the side that I guess it's doing well, but you know, my dream is, is in writing. So it took me a lot longer than stuff, I think, to get back to, you know, my main focus. So then what was that journey like for you guys? I know Stephanie, you said that you always kind of knew. So like, where did that take you to actually start writing for your career? If that was always kind of solidified in you. Right. So I still, I always had that mentality too, like Tina explained, like you have your kind of day job, you have your, the thing that's going to pay the bills and then you have writing. And so, you know, growing up, my day job was going to be like, I was going to go to law school and I was going to be a lawyer, but I was also going to be like James Patterson and like write books on the side. Um, I guess the transition to like, this could be a real thing didn't come until um, my teens. And I had already, you know, when I was young, I got published in a couple of journals I had like a book that I wrote when I was like seven, like actually be like packaged and, you know, printed. I used to write, um, I used to do a lot of poetry. So I won a bunch of poetry contests. I met Gwendolyn Brooks when I was very young, but um, I, you know, didn't pursue writing in terms of like journalism or, or think about it in a, in a, in a, what do you call it? Like going to college and studying it until like I was a senior Um, and journalism came about because um, Northwestern reached out to me. And I went and visited the campus and, you know, took a tour around Medill School of Journalism, realized that was like the best in the country to attend. Got this thing of me that was like, if they're interested in me, I should really pursue this. And that's how I got into, you know, writing as my main professional career is through the journalism route. So after school, I then got a job and, you know, 20 years later, here I am. And Tina, what was your route? Oh, gosh. Um, You know. I, writing has always been so integral to my career, um, especially, you know, starting out in research. And so just the ability to make sure my reports were connecting. And then from there, you know, marketing is all about written communication and making sure you're getting through. And so 
it's always been the biggest part of my career. It's just now it's a different style of writing, right? So my writing was really focused on, you know, the nonfiction side. And then um, when I was doing marketing back in 2006, 2007 for a book, the publisher actually um, asked me if I would be interested in writing my own book. And I just thought at the time, I don't have any time. Like I am running this marketing company, you know, it was the time that I think the year prior I had been on the, uh, had a cover story in O Magazine. And so like my marketing agency was really on fire and I didn't think I had time. And I was kind of pushed by a mom in a focus group who said, you know, you kind of know about things like this. My daughter's 10, she's reading Gossip Girl. And I remember thinking like, I love Gossip Girl, but I was, you know, 27 at the time. Um, And I thought, well, can I write something that is as interesting and intriguing for a girl and fun but has really good values. And so even with my initial writing for middle grade, I approached it as a marketer, right? And I often say, um, I'm a packager. You know, Steph brings so much heart to her writing for our series. And the way I approach a series has always been, how do we frame the world? And that really comes from my marketing background, you know? And so, you know, writing and communication has always been a huge part of my career. But I think Steph and I are really complementary because our writing styles and our skills as we approach writing are also so different. And so we both have careers where we've, you know, spent our careers writing, but they're just, it's totally different writing and writing styles. So you guys basically combined to have the best of both worlds when it comes to writing. Is that how you all created the character of Mackenzie Blue with the very first series of, of about Mackenzie Blue? So, um, yeah, so I, it's funny, I was like a solo writer back in the Mackenzie Blue days. And I, um, you know, sold that series to Harper Collins. And then with Harper, I had a writer that worked with me. And so when I decided to spin off the Z files, I approached Steph and said, okay, now we're moving this character out of suburban California. We're moving to the Cotswolds, to this private boarding school. I've created these characters. Now we need to give them heart. And that's how Steph and I started working where, you know, I had some, you know, basic descriptors and then Steph went in and started to develop like how the characters were going to talk to each other, you know? So that whole diet, like, like the Z files has a ton of dialogue and Steph is creating, you know, all of that dialogue and every single outline for every book. And so I'll come in and say, this book is going to be about this. Here's two pages to six pages on the, the, me telling the story of the book. And then Steph goes back and breaks that down chapter by chapter where, you know, all those moments of when like we have to hit certain beats and then really developing the story and how those characters are living in the world. And so I, I like to describe it almost like I'm doing a lot of the framing and creating the boundaries and here are the new characters, here's the storyline. And Steph goes in and fills all of that in and also does it, um, in the quickest timing I've ever seen with a writer, you know? And I think that just also goes to our shorthand with each other, that we have the ability to kind of move and have that trust that we're not like waiting and delayed and waiting for feedback that like, I can do my thing, Steph's going to come in and make it better. And, you know, we just, we're on a fifth book now in the Z Files series of just starting that idea. And she's reading and she's like, we're missing some moments of this that needed to be there that I'm like, okay, that's fine. Just go put it into the outline. And so we, it's like how we're, we're talking is also how, how we work on the writing process too. It sounds like you guys have your own Z file where you drop stuff in <laughs> and then go back and put and go back and fix it up for the actual manuscript. <laughs> That's so true. I feel like Google should give us some like, like make a proprietary like software for us because 
Google file that is the Z files is really rich. <laughs> Notes, research, context, text messages. I mean, yeah, if we were to compile all of our conversations and communications on Z files, it is our own Z file. It's, so. it's so funny. I think you can tell stuff that you did like investigative reporting because I'll say something like, we're going to create a boarding school in the Cotswolds. It's like the Soho house of boarding school. And then you'll see steps intense notes of like typical day for a 12 year old at boarding school, hour by hour, what happens or like, here are comps for typical homes in the Cotswolds. And so (laughs) stuff is like, not just doing the writing, but like investigating to make sure that like everything we're writing actually could happen in real life, which is funny. So you're right. We do kind of have like a Z files going on. Once a journalist, always a journalist. Um, (laughs) So, and and I say that as a journalist, but um, so I finished reading the book last night. Okay. And I don't feel like I've ever read anything like that. Even when I was a child, like I was the little girl who was age 10 reading. um, What's the, what's the guy? John Grisham. Like I read, I read that when I was 10. Cause like, I didn't know what middle grade books were. So like I started with the partner and read a time to kill and all this other stuff as like a 10, 11 year old child. So I've always read adult books. So it was really different for me to read a book about like a 13, 14 year old girl for 13, 14 year old girls. And so I know you say like you saw that emptiness in the marketplace and that's what led you to create this character. So what do you want young girls to get from Mackenzie Blue and her story and her shenanigans? Um, so first of all, I'm cracking up at your, <laughs> your reading habits. <laughs> um, I I think for Steph and I both at this stage in our careers, the number one thing we think about is representation, right? You know, we know the statistic that we hear often, less than 10% of middle grade books are focused on, you know, Black characters. And so when we thought about this biracial girl, you know, first and foremost, we think about representation. We want every girl to feel like they see themselves in our characters in some way, every girl, every boy. And so you need to see that. And to think that at that age, 90% of middle grade fiction isn't going to reflect you is really, that's tough to take in, you know? And you know, those formative years are so important. I used to read a book every day and the ideas of where I could go in my life and what was possible came for me personally from my summer reading, right? It wasn't at all. And just like you, I read for pleasure, right? But my reading was like Sweet Valley Twins, Sweet Valley High, Fear Street. And how often do we actually see characters that look like us in those stories? And we can go back and think about like the one friend who popped up in the one book who happened to be a Black girl. And so, you know, it's no shade to those authors at all. I think many of us come and write from our personal experience. But for us at this juncture, it's incredibly important that we are writing for Black and Brown girls. Yeah, and I would add to that that the beauty of Z is that there's so much to her character that makes her so dynamic that yeah, be, the, you know, yes, she is, you know, representing um, mixed race children, but she also has these stories and tales and feelings and you know sayings and characteristics that any girl can relate to, and the joy of being thirteen, the adventures, the shenanigans, like you said, of being twelve and thirteen. Um, are universal and should be felt and can be felt by by any girl. So like, you know, when I think back to what I read, The Babysitter's Club, Sweet Valley High, like you mentioned, what I can remember is the characters 
not necessarily, you know, that they were black, white, or otherwise, but I remember how they dressed. I remember what they said. I remember the slang. I remember the role that they played amongst their friend group. And so the dynamics of those types of characteristics, I want also to come out when you're reading Z files, not just, oh, it's a black girl in a book. Um, but, you know, it is important that we do see more of those characters so that so that people have more options of what they're seeing, in, you know, of black children in literature, right? You know, I want, there should be joy, there should be happiness, there should be silly, you know, games played and crushes on boys, just like you read in like mainstream, like young middle grade fiction books. Mm-hmm. What really struck me was that the characters are so self-aware. I was like... <laughs> really thinking these things about themselves and their friends at like 13 because usually characters when they're written young are very self-absorbed but they were very self-aware of what was happening around them and 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 able to resolve conflict especially at the end of the first book between um z and ali and i was like huh that's new uh i have a my niece phoebe is 11 and a half and she is beyond, she's so self-aware. She said something to me the other day. She said, I may have a C in math, but I have an A in negotiation. And I just cracked up. And I was like, the fact that you are so aware. And she's like, I know that. It's like, I love that about your generation, right? And I think that is what is defining tweens these days is these are kids whose whole life has been on film, on camera, right? That they are incredibly self-aware in these ways. But I love like with my niece, I love her humor and the way she just laughs at herself. Right. And she's like, I know my grades are terrible, but I've been locked in my bedroom for nine months. So it's just going to be what it is. Right. Like she's completely rationalizing. Like she's not at all like, oh my God, my grades are bad. She's like, oh yeah. But I'm like, yes, you are an unbelievable negotiator. She is. But the fact that she's like, leaning into that one skill and being like, yeah, that's not that great. I just like that with, with, and I think that is reflective of, you know, the market we're talking to and this younger Gen Z. And that's what I, you know, I love about writing for them is the freshness and the authenticity that you can approach with because they don't feel bad for not being perfect. And I I can speak for myself being a teenager in the nineties. I do think that I kind of felt bad for not being perfect. You know what I mean? That there was like this need to live up to. And I think that that's, that's when I start to script series or ideas, those are some of the themes that I really come to the table with. And that's what I think is like, how are we going to reflect this generation? And, And when we're in editing sessions or getting feedback from editors, you know, I'm always the one that's pushing back on those types of themes, right? And saying, we have to remember we're not the the audience, you know, and I've spent my career, you know, creating products for audience where I wasn't the customer, you know, the end user or the customer. And so I'm so glad you called that out because that was really intentional to say, you know, teenagers today or young tweens, like older tweens, they're not how we might actually think about them. And they are a lot more self-aware. And that makes sense because they have these tools out there that actually create that self-awareness for them. Do either one of you have the book with you to read like a snippet from like the first one? I do have a book. <laughs> I, I do. Yeah, I was, I was wondering whether or not we were going to do book one or book two. Um, I read book one, but if you want to read from whichever one, let the spirit use you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I did. I flagged us a, um, a passage in book one from chapter nine, the beginning of chapter nine. And this is after Z has moved to the Cotswolds. She's kind of 
you know, a couple of weeks into her time at the Hollow, she's met her roommate, she's gone to a few classes, and she has met um, Archie St. John, who is the mysterious, yes, he is like, you know, the hottest guy of year nine. He's like this, the, the, the perfect hair and the perfect looks and the guy that, if, you know, all the girls, of course, have, you know, crushes on, who for some reason has taken a liking to Z. Um, you know, Z is this fresh face, like California girl on this on this very prestigious, um, you know, uh, creative arts campus in the Cotswolds in the countryside of, of the United Kingdom. And I think that she just brings like a freshness to the entire campus. You know, she's quickly made friends because people appreciate that like free spiritedness and that creativity about her. So this scene in um, the beginning of chapter nine, it's um, after a night where uh, Z has gone to bed and she starts to get text messages from Archie, who is out at a local coffee shop listening to a band. And since Archie and Z have music theory class together, they're both musicians, Archie starts to reach out to, to Z and say, like, this band's really cool, made me think of you, this and that, whatever. They end up texting throughout the band's entire performance. So the next morning, I know, right, which is like something that I would do at 42 if I had a crush. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so the next morning, Z wakes up and, um, you know, has this conversation with her roommate about what happened the night before. So <clears throat> we'll jump into it here. Take it away. Okay. So Z turned over in bed, groggy from a lack of sleep. Her phone lay next to her head, nearly out of battery, but with several notifications from a few missed texts from Archie wishing her a good night. Z rubbed her eyes into focus, and once they did, she saw a cross-legged Jamila sitting on her bed, already reading through her notes from her first class. Morning, sleepyhead, Jamila said. I see you had a late night yesterday. Z propped herself up and out of bed. I was up talking to Archie all night. Archie? Jamila questioned. What on earth were you two talking about? He snuck off campus to see a band at the coffee shop and then texted me during the entire performance to share it with me. You texted all night with Archie, Jamila asked. Z grabbed her phone and scrolled through her text messages. She looked at the timestamps of, of Archie's messages. Yes, until 11.37 p.m. apparently, when I must have fallen asleep because I texted, go <laughs> my feet must have fallen flat on the keypad. Jamila looked at Z as if she didn't believe her. He had your number? He emailed <laughs> me at first since all of our emails are in the school directory online. Then I gave him my cell phone number so we could text. The messages could come through faster that way. Jamila's surprised expression became a smile, spreading across her face as if she'd just eaten the most delicious dessert. <laughs> you two basically had a virtual date, said Jamila. Unbelievable. It wasn't a date, Z said, blushing. I actually turned him down when he asked me to go with him. But then you watched the band together anyway. He watched, <laughs> I listened via WhatsApp. Close enough, Jamila smirked. You went on a date with Archie St. John. <laughs> Z rolled her eyes. I don't think he'd agree. She didn't know what Archie would call what they did last night. And she really didn't know how to summarize it either. But she knew one thing. She'd really like to do it again. 
So I think that that scene was fun. It was fun to write. It was fun to think about, you know, these two roommates, you know, Jamila, who is the perfect, you know, ballet dancer, you know, very sharp, very, you know, rules, kind of a rules girl. And then Jamila, like the, or sorry, the Z, the new kid in town, this free spirit California girl who, you know, is trying to find her way, who all of a sudden, bam, makes friends with like the hottest guy on campus. And Jamila's sitting there kind of like, dumbfounded as to how that happened, but so intrigued to learn more about where the heck this is going. Um, so yeah, that's, I think that gives a little intrigue into both the relationship between Jamila and Z and how that'll develop, and then a little hint of what's to come with Archie. And, and I, I also think that speaks to the teenage experience of, you know, being awkward and in social situations and just trying to find your way through them. And then what maximizes that in the book is that they're in boarding school, so they can't get away from. And so now it makes like the home life awkward in this life where you're immersed with your friends is the only thing that you know 24-7. Yes. And I think that also speaks to your thing about they seem so self-aware. It's like, well, they kind of have no choice to be self-aware because everybody's aware of everything that you're doing all the time, right? <laughs> so I know this is a spinoff off the original McKenzie Blue series. So, and Tina, you mentioned that was, you did that with Harper Collins. So what was the process of doing the Z files and going with West Margin Press? Oh gosh. Um, I mean, think back to where we all were last April, right? Um, and I get this phone call like, hey, if you guys can write a book in eight weeks, it's going to be in stores and Target in December. And, and again, to like Steph's credit being the absolute pro she is, like, got it done in eight weeks, you know? And so I had spent quite a bit of time creating this idea for the Z files, which I thought was going to be a TV show. And so I actually wrote it as a TV show treatment. Originally there was like a, I'd never even written a TV treatment before. I was like, this is how I think it should go and quickly repackaged that for the books. And so you know, I like to hear how Jamila came to life when really Steph had kind of an image of what I thought she was going to look like and some very brief notes about her characteristics, you know, it's just amazing. But the timing we had, you know, it was the tightest timeline to get this done. Um, and it's just amazing to, to see now, you know, how many people came together to create this. And, you know, Steph was writing before we actually had the first drafts of, of what the characters were going to look like. Like we had this deck I had made where I pulled, you know, some, some photos, but all of this was happening real time. And so what was so great is like Steph's writing started to inform how people actually showed up in the actual illustrations, you know, and we started to talk about the elements of Z's personality. We changed her hair, you know, she still has her complexion and her blue eyes and her red hair, but everything else about her and her look has completely changed from how, you know, our, my reader might've experienced her 12 years ago and, and rightfully so, right. This is a new generation and Z and her family background didn't really change that much, but how it was depicted in these illustrations have changed a lot too. And so I think to answer your question, the process was really fast, you know, it was, and, and to see that Steph could birth this beautiful book when we really were under the gun, right? So there was no like, we're going to go and we're going to spend months in the mountains and write that like we didn't have, like it was go, go, go. And imagine where we all were back in spring 2020, right? Still dealing with a pandemic, still, you know, so for both of us, we often said writing this book was the only escapism we had from the reality of what was, you know, spring 2020. And so we just like 
go into our own little world of Z. And, you know, I just can't express, you know, enough how grateful I am to our partners, to West Margin, our partners at Target, who really just came together to make this happen as quickly as possible. So like they just called you out the blue and said, get a book together and we're going to put it in Target. So what was interesting is I had already been talking to Target and um, we were thinking that we wouldn't be able to launch something this year, like now. And then when we saw, you know, with COVID that people were home, kids were reading more, the opportunity showed up to get it Mm -hmm. done in December. And I will say if we hadn't been as lean as we were, and if we hadn't been given the leeway from both Target and West Margin to just make decisions and move fast we wouldn't have hit that deadline, you know, but it was really, um, you know, having so much of the material done and then Steph coming in and just like plowing through that 33, 34,000 words, you know, we wouldn't have made it, you know, but the idea of how, you know, we kind of bringing some ideas to target and developing was there. And we started that conversation, you know, months ahead of time, but, but no one thought we were looking at a 2020 release. I think we were all planning around maybe spring 2021. And now, you know, next week, the second book is, is dropping in the series. So the amount of writing and work that had to be done in 2020, was kind of like unbelievable, you know? (laughs) Stephanie, is there anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I this book really was the best therapy of getting for getting through a pandemic because to have to immerse yourself in a world of 13 year olds while everything else was swirling around really was, you know, therapeutic for me. Like, you know, for all of the things that that could have been thinking about or I could have been doing, I mean, what a great excuse to not watch the news. So um, it was really um if listen, eight weeks to to crank out books is challenging, but Thank goodness we were in a pandemic, so I wasn't going out or watching news. Um, And the team that we had assembled, you know, Tina and I really do speak in shorthand. And she really, to her credit, gave me complete, almost complete creative control to create characters and to think freely and to experiment with certain things, certain tones, certain looks, certain, you know, interactions between characters and such. Um, the team at West Margin Press is incredibly nimble. You know, I we could all reach out to one another. We could talk. We could, it was all about coming up with solutions, you know, very few roadblocks there. And the same with Target. I mean, you would think a company as big as Target dealing with everything they had to deal with, you know, on their end. I mean, we never once was were really needing anything from them. They were very responsive, very open, very just positive. So like, what I notice in the book about the characters is that they are all like very free. So I want to know what kind of freedoms do you want young girls to get from this book and these experiences between Z and Jamila and Tom and everybody else? <laughs> they're very free. Um, well, the thing about them is that they're all creatives, right? I mean, they're at this creative boarding art school and they're there because the boarding, the school is set up so that they are pursuing their their pursuits, you know, hopefully eventually on a professional level. So they're very, you know, the way they think as a creative is, is going to be very, you know, free spirited, free thinking, you know, wild dreams, wild daydreams. And, you know, they're, they're going to be reading and doing things that just aren't, I guess, traditional, you know, as most, most artists aren't really traditional. Um, and so it's interesting when you see the interactions between like a Jamila and a Tom or even an Izzy and a Jasper, you know, they're all very obsessed with what they do. They're obsessed with music. They're obsessed with, you know, sound mixing. They're obsessed with ballet. 
And that's so very different from what each other like does as their function, but they can all relate to that obsession, right? So they all do kind of, you know, Jamila will do everything in her power to be like the best ballet dancer she can possibly do. That means, you know, dancing in the morning, dancing at night. That might mean, you know, being a little more mindful about what she's eating or, you know, that sort of thing. Whereas, you know, Izzy is obsessed with her film and YouTube and, and photographs. So like that means she's always got a camera in her face. She's always got a camera in her face. You know, she's always, everything is always like a shot or a frame or this or every quote that you get is always being captured. So I think that, you know, for young people, young people are surrounded by rules all the time. Don't do this. Don't do that. Try to do this. Control this. This is the right way to do this. The right way to do that. That combined with young people are also discovering that they have quirks. You know, some people's quirks are just quirks. Other people's quirks might be challenges. You know, Z is, you know, kind of dealing with a a potential ADHD or anxiety situation that affects, you know, how she's behaving and she's discovering that along the way. Right. But that should not, that shouldn't consume her. It shouldn't consume her character. And just like it shouldn't consume young people. Right. We shouldn't make people feel like their quirks or any kind of challenges that they might be dealing with severe or not consume them as people. So I think that's one big thing that we would like for young people to take away from the books and the characters. And I saw you mention in the, um, in the questionnaire that you and Tina have been friends for like, and for like 15 years. So how did you all's real life friendship influence the, um, the tone and the scope of the book? <laughs> Besides just being able to get it done. Yes. I think there's so, it's so funny when we look at certain characters and we laugh because we're like, or as we start to co-create characters now at this point, it's like, oh, I used to do this when I was a kid. Oh, I did that. Or I understand this character's perspective because that's how I am too. And so um, it's just funny when I see parts of our personalities kind of in different characters too. And I won't say what characters are what, (laughs) but people who get to know us will probably pick up on it. Um, and I just think, like we said before, that shorthand of, of um, you know, how how easy it is to kind of give notes and write and move concepts forward because we just, one, we understand each other's intentions and what the note. So there's not going to be like taking a note the wrong way because I know I, I have Steph's voice in my head. So I know how she's saying something or, you know, if we need to add something, I think it's just, you know, having that kind of, free, you know, free flowing, you know, um, feedback loop too that that we extend to each other mm-hmm. it is fun too though when I see the notes in the comments and whether it's you know dialogue or something else and Tina will live Tina will write that's so you like that that's you right? <laughs> like, oh, we've had this conversation we've had this text conversation right <laughs> so funny so yes life it already imitating life <laughs> yes absolutely mm-hmm. Cool. Um, Tina, you mentioned earlier that you had initially planned for the Z Files to be um, a TV show. So is that still in the works? Can you talk about that? Because now I can, I come from a television journalism background. So I see what I write. So this was, and then this having pictures and stuff, I was like, oh, and you saying, I was like, I can completely see this on like Nickelodeon or um, Disney Channel. And then my son driving me crazy with it, watching it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, there are definitely, you know, we have plans for TV, but I also think that, um, you know, Steph and I, I think as storytellers, you know, are looking at different approach for that too, you know, Mm -hmm. and how do we, you know, I'm much more like, I think my two favorite things I 
consumed or watched in the 90s were My So-Called Life and Clueless, right? And both so strikingly different, but I think what they had in common was incredible, impeccable writing, right? And, And authenticity of characters. And even if it's like as over the top as Kids in Beverly Hills, it was still done with such, um, you know, such, I don't even know the word I'm looking for, like elevation, right? So the characters weren't like dumb kids from Beverly Hills. They were super smart and and their dialogue, if you like, if you, I challenge you to like listen to Clueless, don't even watch it and just listen to how intelligent and how well-written it was, right? Amy Heckerling did a brilliant job just with that. And the same I'll say for my so-called life was just, that nuance of characters. And so when I start to think about what TV looks like for the Z files, it's what we talked about earlier, you know, the self-awareness that these characters have and, 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 and how that translates to film and to TV is so important to us. And so, you know, while it's absolutely my goal that we get there, it's most important that we continue to tell these stories through, through the books. And we allow our audience time to really sit with them and get to know them first as, as, you know, through books. And then, you know, we've got some really cool ideas for product that's going to drop and some product associated with books. And then, you know, we will eventually get to TV and film and all of that, and it will be brilliant. But that team, when we get to TV and film also need the space to reimagine the characters, how they see them. Right. So we know certain things about them aren't going to change. You're always going to see RZ with her bright blue eyes and flaming red hair and freckles, but how that story comes to life might be a little different. And so I can speak for me and say, I'm so focused on making sure these books are great and that we tell the stories as best we can and that we continue to deliver to our audience. And, you know, I have TV in the back of my head, but I'm really focused on how she comes to life for books first. Anything to add on that stuff? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think the same thing, you know, the richness of characters I think is, is paramount with, with these books and with the growth and the elevation of the Z files. So, you know, when I think forward to the future of what, what these could be, um, you know, I think it, it just in my writing, I'm thinking, okay, like what's she learning now? How is the story evolving? How are friendships evolving? You know, mm-hmm. what's going to be and down to the nuance of like, you know, where does Jamila really go with the ballet? Like, you know, is someone going to make an album, you know, and, and even things like, you know, because they are, you know, we're talking about a kids at boarding school. Yes, they are going to be living together with each other for, you know, who knows through like year 12 or 13, but people travel, people leave, you know? So mm-hmm. like, there's so many, there are really a number of layers to like where the story could go and to look at this and be like, okay, well, this is a television show. Yes, that's great. But like book six could, you know, be, you know, Season six, a television <laughs> show. You know, book nine might be a television show. So, um, yeah. So I guess you know when I when Tina says she's laser focused on the on the books and the making those characters as rich as possible. That's where I am too. And then in that journey, what has been the one thing that you've learned in all of these years, Tina, especially of creating Z and now doing this next spinoff series. Yeah, so Z, um, you know, I started working on Z back in 2007. And so it's been 14 years now. And so um, I think that she still has so many of the same characteristics I started with, which is like that every girl, um, Z is always going to bring you on the adventure with her, right? So she's going to be like that awesome, you know, bestie where you can kind of live the adventure 
through her and with her. Um, she's always going to be very transparent and authentic. And while I think I created a lifestyle that's aspirational, you know, there's always going to be a, a bit of it that you can, as the reader, aspire to, too, right? So you may not go to boarding school in London, but there's a bit of that aspect where you can and do some of the things she's doing with her friends, right? You can do yoga, you can meditate, you can, you know, go have a chai latte with your friends. So there, there's always going to be those elements that anyone can do. And then I would say, um, how has she changed? I think at 13, there are just different a different set of issues that come into play, right? And so she's dealing with becoming who she is as a person, how to adjust to new experiences, and being, you know, out of her comfort zone, which I think a lot of girls at that age can really um, relate to the changes that are happening physically, that are happening emotionally. And so, you know, I always want to make sure that Z is, is reflecting her audience. And it's different from, you know, some of the other characters we're creating um, that serve a different purpose. But Z is always meant to be very much every girl. And so you two, um, Tina, you, you come from a marketing background and Stephanie, you come from that journalism background. So do you all embrace this creative pursuit that you guys have been going on now and creating the Z files and doing it in this in this tight timeline? Do you see that as like the future for you or do you feel like you're very much going to stay journalist marketing and this is something we do on the side? No, we're like octopus. Octopi. We have eight limbs. So <laughs> we, you know, we have used our marketing and our journalism backgrounds to create this. But within this, we think about all aspects that go into making this, the marketing, the research aspect, the, um, you know, how this will live on different platforms and mediums, you know, what that means, how we can make this more dynamic, you know, the, you know. You know, you had the idea of, you know, since Z is a songwriter, you know, does Z make an album at some point, you know? Yeah. So I think that it's not just a matter of like living in, you know, a lane anymore. It's how do we use this lane and amplify it out around this product? Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Exactly. Okay. Well, then I'm going to go into a speed round with you guys before we go into our last question. You ready? Okay. All right. So what is your favorite book? Ever? Like in life? Ever? Your favorite book, yes. <laughs> uh, mine is called From the Mixed Up Files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankenweiler. Ooh. Read it. It's about a brother and sister who run away and they live at the Met. It's the best book ever. <laughs> wow. Amazing. Okay. So mine is going to be, God, I can't even remember the author's name, but this book is called By Reason of Insanity. It came out in the 70s. My mom gave me this book because like you, I was reading adult books when I was young because my mom was obsessed with like Stephen King and like all these horror books. <laughs> so this, this book is about a serial killer in the seventies, but the writing and like the description, and I, I remember this book was so gripping that I just couldn't put it down and I was terrified reading it. But my mom said that she got this book and she had lent it out three times. She had to buy the book three times. And the last time she bought it for me, it took like close to two years to find because it's out of print. So now I have to, I basically have this, this copy like treasured, like in storage, but uh, mm -hmm. so I can't lend it to you, but it is an amazing, <laughs> book. it did like show me what good writing was. Okay. Who is your favorite author? Judy Bloom. Ooh, this is tough. Um, 
Emily Giffen. What is your favorite song? Uh, Stevie Wonder, Ribbon in the Sky. Oh, God, that's a good one. Is it Why by Stevie Wonder? No. As. As, thank as, you. As, yeah. As is a good Why one. is it different? As, yes. As is good. Um, as is good. I, I might have to, yeah. Yeah, this, that's a stressful one. <laughs> we are the slow speed round people. I know. <laughs> Everybody this season has been slow at the speed round. So I'm going to have to call it something else. Um, if you could be a color, what color would you be? Gold. <laughs> mm, that's a good one. Um, hmm. I'm going to say pink. I'd be pink. What sound gives you peace? The ocean. The ocean. I mean, two beach girls here. (laughs) (laughs) I was fast. (laughs) What's the best piece of advice that you got when you were Z's age that you still think about now? Uh, Take a nap. It was my mom's advice. You know, anytime things got stressful, just take a nap and deal with it when you wake up. And it's such, it's still to this day, I'm like, Ah, just take a nap and then you come back refreshed. <laughs> That's good advice. Works for a four-year-old, works for a 40-year-old. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with rise above it, which is something my dad mm-hmm. always told me, um, particularly at the teen years when I was getting um, like beat up and, and bullied a bit in school a lot. Um, he would just tell me to rise above it. He said, because the people who do the bullying and all that stuff, you're going to leave them behind. You're going to leave them far, far behind. So just rise above it. What advice do you now have for young girls coming of age right now? None of this will matter when you're 40. <laughs> I think it would be something along what my advice would be. Because I feel like we, well, when you're young, probably through your 20s, you feel like every mistake, you feel like every single move, like you feel the weight of that. And you feel like that's going to dictate the rest of your life, right? And you see it in the book, like that sort of, we talk about this, the catastrophizing of results of your actions. Mm-hmm. But I would tell young girls, like, make mistakes, do silly things, you know, say silly things, raise your hand, speak out loud. Because, you know, you can be right, you can be wrong, you can be smart, you can, it can be whatever. None of it will matter when you're, when you're 40. Um, I think I would say you need to trust your gut. You know, and I think that's the perfect age to start to realize that you do know what you want, that you do have natural instincts, you know how to protect yourself. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's the time to learn that you need to start to trust your gut. What was the first book where you saw yourself either as a child or as an adult? Hmm. Hmm. That's really interesting. I don't know if there was a book. I mean, there were so many series I read from Babysitter's Club to Sweet Valley Twins and Fear Street. Um, and so, yeah, I I don't know if I there was a book as, as opposed to just like I read so many books, you know, that I saw myself in multiple characters. Tough one. Um, because I'm tempted to say Babysitter's Club because I saw the quirky things about myself in characters that were like awesome and amazing and doing these cool things, not necessarily. And yes, there was a, an African-American character, but 
I saw like the quirkiness of Claudia and the artistic, you know, side of Claudia that I really identified with. Cause there was, you know, she was like flawed and, you know, had a messy room and ate too much junk food. And I was like, oh my God, like she had all these flaws, but she was still cool and, you know, smart and entrepreneurial. Um, I think that's why that series might be, you know, one of my favorite ones and impactful as a child. And what's the best thing about being a black girl? <laughs> Magic, obviously. <laughs> Where do we begin? <laughs> I know. Where do we begin? I mean, I think magic encompasses everything that's amazing about being a black woman. Also, not wrinkling in your 40s is pretty great, too. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yes, exactly. Looking like a black girl until you're well into your womanhood. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So for the last question of the podcast, I always like to ask, you guys are intentionally creating um, a legacy where young Black women will come behind you and be able to see themselves in books in mainstream stores and not have to like really wonder about their place. So when you are no longer here, what would you like someone to write about you since you're doing this now? Oh, that's good. Um, I would love for someone to say that um, we created content that allowed so many girls to see themselves and that they really felt that they were seen through the books that we created. Yeah, I would add to that, that I would want somebody to say that they really brought, they really, you know, brought that idea of black girl magic to life, but just brought that idea of joy and happiness and that real like, you know, sense of just butterflies in the soul that young people have. And that's not Mm -hmm. special to, you know, girls who look a certain way or don't look a certain way. That's special to all girls. And to know that we like brought that to life would be, would be something that would mean a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Thank you guys. All right. Thank you. So nice to meet you. It's so great you to too. meet you. Big thank you to Tina and Stephanie for joining me on Black and Published today. Make sure you check out their latest series, The Z Files, available at Target for all the young tween girls in your life. And if you're not following them on the socials, please do. Stephanie is at Steph Smith on Twitter. That's S-T-E-F-S-M-I-T-H, Steph Smith on Twitter. And at Steph Smith 30 on IG. Same spelling, just add the number 30. And to follow Tina on Instagram, she's at Tina Wells underscore on Instagram. And Tina C. Wells on Twitter. That's our show for the week. If you like this episode and want more Black and Published, go ahead and hit that subscribe button on your podcast platform of choice. And if you like what you hear, leave us a rating, a review, a comment. Let us know who you want to hear on the show next. You can also follow Black and Published at Black and Published on Twitter and Instagram. That's B-L-K and Published. And to keep up with me, head to my website, newrights.com, N-E-W-W-R-I-T-E-S.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Nikisha underscore Elise. That's our episode. I'll holla at y'all next week. Peace. Thank you.